Uh, welcome to another Love Sport podcast. You'll be joined by Paul, John and Pete, all co-hosts. We're going to talk a bit of NFL, a bit of AFLW, a bit of EPL. It's all things sport. This is the Love Sport podcast. Hey, let's get down with the sickness. John, it's sad not to hear uh, beer in the background. Yeah, okay. I appreciate that. Uh, to help out, <laughs> I can get a non-alcoholic beer out of the fridge. Um... We could do <laughs> We could do that. Guys, it's another Love Sport podcast. It's 2022. As we've said before, the more things stay the same, the more they stay the same. Um, might start out with cricket because it's coming up uh, in the next couple of hours. We've got the pink ball test uh, hero- uh, heroic historic test in Tasmania and uh, looking forward to this one guys or it's all over so don't care I'm looking forward to being down in Tassie I think that um, based on uh, what I've heard from uh, kind of the guys who are based down in Tassie they're incredibly excited about the test coming down to them and and, um, what this like although there isn't a great deal of meaning behind you know, these games at this certain point in time based on the current results, I think it's still important and it's still something to celebrate. And as you mentioned, being a pink ball test as well, that's huge. What about yourself, John, as an English... Uh, no, English not interested. Oh. No. Wow, okay. I'm, I'm interested because obviously um, Australia's on top, but... Could get a win here. They take something away from a pretty disastrous tour. And um, maybe that will cover up some cracks. So maybe that's not a great thing. I I think that, yeah, it's... uh, If nothing else, you know, you still play with pride. You still play with all of those opportunities to really... uh, To keep developing, keep learning, keep working hard on different things. Like, I think that um, this is one of the things that... You know, playing in front of hopefully, fingers crossed, eighteen thousand people down at um, at the Oval there in Tassie. I think that that would be pretty exciting. Um, I think that the opportunity to to really, you know, test yourself and prove yourself. You know, it might be a done and dusted result, but you know, every game is still an opportunity to still play and do something new, to try something new, to try and develop in a different way. Um, I think it's still an important one for England, even if John won't be tuning in. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a fair take. And uh, look, I'm just happy to see Uzi Kawaja get another test. So everyone, every test he has at the moment is a bit of a bonus. Uh, okay, guys, we'll um, flip over. Now that John's not excited about the test, we might flip over to the EPL. And um, it's back. It's back this weekend, a full uh, round of fixtures unless COVID does something weird again. And Man City, I mean, you have to look at the table. Well, they're 10 points clear as we speak. Yeah, they are currently. Um, they're playing host to Chelsea, a side who had a bit of a dip in form over the uh, the Christmas New Year break. Um, they're slowly recovering from that. Chelsea look like a, a better side, especially in their recent uh, League Cup games against uh, Tottenham. And I think the the pressure's on a team like Chelsea to have to perform. It, it's a weird scenario for a Manchester City side who's 10 points clear at the top of the table to kind of say there's not much pressure on them because we kind of expect them to just get a result in this game. Um, it, it, it's going to be a tough one. And I think that Manchester City, they, they've only lost one player to um, African Cup of Nations. I think Chelsea's lost two or three from memory. Yep. Um, I, I, I don't think that City's really going to be impacted by by too much at the moment. I, I think that uh, this should be a comprehensive result for City. Everywhere. So I've kicked them off games. I've got them to go outside. Um, <laughs> so we, I'm going to include that in the podcast. So we were just talking about the Premier League and, and points um, in the bank. And earlier this year, we were saying it was going to be a three or four way contest, but it's barely looking like that right now. I think I've got up pretty quickly. 
you know, you only need a, a result here and there to, to make a change. You, you know, you travel to another, to another team's ground and you beat them and things can come back to you, you know, six-point swings. At, um, I wouldn't say it's over. Yeah, I, I, look, I think it's – if I think it's over there, then I have to concede that the whole table's finished. So yep. I've got to think that there's still a chance that teams like Chelsea and Liverpool and, and maybe even, which would be awesome, West Ham could uh, give them a little bit of a fright, but it's difficult to see at this point. I hope you're right. I really do, and I do always concede the um... – the notion of the six-point turnaround, but it's not it's not good to have the competition this far apart. Um, and, and there's a lot of factors coming into that as well and delayed games. And you look down to Tottenham, and Tottenham's got, I think, about three games on hand in those in the uh, the top four or five at the moment. But once again, points in hand for other, for other teams. Um, guys, games coming up this weekend. Um, any, any to really look out for there? Uh, well, let's have a look at the fixture list where at the moment we've got on uh, Saturday morning for us here in Australia, we've got Brighton against Crystal Palace. Don't think that's going to be a, a showstopper by any means. The three-minute highlights package should do the justice of that game there. Um, we've already talked about City and Chelsea. That will be a 11 p.m. kickoff uh, for us Aussies. Um, so looking forward to that one on Saturday night. Sunday Things get slightly more interesting. Newcastle against Watford. This is like a really interesting battle um, in terms of can Newcastle get something and potentially claw their way um, out of a relegation scrap and and try and pull Watford into something, which um, it's entirely possible. I think that that Wolves and Southampton is quite an interesting middle-of-the-table type of a a game. and, And we saw... Villa and United. Um, I'm not sure if anyone uh, managed to catch any of the highlights of purely Stephen Gerrard during the warm-up in the um, in the FA Cup game between Villa and United, when Stevie G looked over across at the uh, United warm-up, raised an eyebrow, and just kind of rolled his eyes and went back to the Villa warm-up. Um, yes, I so did. Read it, read it to that, whatever you like, but they just look disorganized at the time for United, which is very anti Ralph Ragnarok. Um, and instead, Villa, mate, I, I have to say, how exciting with the player signings that have come in so far this transfer window. Well, we lost an FA Cup with one of the strangest VAR decisions. I'm not sure if you guys saw it. They honestly went through about five things before they decided it wasn't a goal. So the referee gave it a goal. VAR took about five minutes and actually went through three or four things from all accounts. Then they made the referee go over and have a look and asked him to go through not one, not two, but three different things before he decided it wasn't a goal. So I just hope we I hope we get him on Sunday morning. And I hope, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we did, did OB United at Villa Park. So, John, which game are you most looking forward to? Do you think that... Uh the Newcastle Watford game is going to be the, the most like the must watch game of the weekend, or will it be the London Derby of Spurs and Arsenal, which mm. should be potentially a snooze fest depending on what Spurs team decides to show up. I have to be honest. And you know what, like I said about the cricket and I, I you know, you always have a game plan going to these podcasts. At least I do. Yep. And today I was just going to be, you know, the, the humphrey lumpy I'm not happy. My fan experience is crap. I hate everything in sport, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And I shouldn't have said that about the test cricket because I, I, I am interested. Um, but I'm looking at this. I'm looking at the bottom of the ladder and, you know, I, I'm, I'm getting fired up for two games. If Newcastle can somehow find it in them to beat Watford and then Leicester, it's Leicester, isn't it? If they can... <laughs> Um, Burnley, we'll find ourselves in a 17th position and out of the bottom three. And, yeah. yep. and that is really what it's like at the bottom of the ladder. Now, there's a big gap there then to um, to Leeds at 19, but the mental side of that would be massive for Newcastle coming out of the, you know, a, a semi-interesting transfer window. At least we've got a decent defender that we've bought. Um, is that the striker? <laughs> put away, we'll put away the um, 
the FA Cup. But honestly, you know, you never did. As long as you're not dead and you're still breathing, you've got a chance of me watching Arsenal and um, and and Spurs and somewhere between zero and none. <laughs> so. Of course, I'll keep a keen eye on the result because two months ago, Arsenal were down with us in the bottom three, remember? Well, the other thing is to to get excited about, John, is, and I have to bring my team into this, is that we survived on the last day three years ago um, to stay in the, or two years ago to stay in the Premier League, right? Through that. Two years later, we've signed Coutinho, Digne, we're looking at Basuma, um, another defender from Mosh and Gladbach, and you've got the money to do the same. So if you can survive this year, in the next two to three years are really exciting because, sorry to hijack this for a moment, but this is the most exciting time as a Villa fan I can remember in 20 to 30 years. I know that I sounds think, a little bit... Oh, sorry. I think your manager's made a big difference to who's going to your club. And we talked about that a couple of months ago. Oh, 100%. Um, <laughs> there's, there's agents and players lining up uh, come next season to go to Villa. And it's the Gerard revolution at Villa Park. Yeah. So the, the players aren't exactly flying in to meet up with Eddie Howe. So you get a new manager at, at Newcastle, you survive, you get a big name manager, things change Things change very quickly in this league. I've always thought we could survive. I still do. I think we played so poorly in the first half, first half of the season and we conceded... So many ridiculous goals that uh, I just believe that we can. I don't think it, I actually don't think you have to be. I think it could be the worst bottom four in the history of the um, competition. Oh, I don't so know. So we'll if you get to fourth last, then you've got to be. You don't have to be all that good. There's been some shockers over the years, to be honest. But um, Pete, you are, you're a Liverpool fan, so you were saying it before. Am I right to be super excited about what Villa's doing at the moment? It's been one of the best transfer windows of any club in January in recent history. Absolutely. Um, it, it's it's funny. I, I've got a fair few Villa fans um, who I chat to pretty regularly and kind of that buzz is almost wearing off on me um, where I'm quite excited by what's going on over at Villa as well. And I think that the, the players that are coming in are very smart. They're, they're players who can make a difference today, but they're also players who can make a difference within the next 18 months, maybe even three years at a stretch. They're, they're players who are proven in the league, but they're also players who just need a bit of a bit of a cuddle in a way to just say, you know what, it's actually okay to you know, be in an environment where it's different from where you're used to. So Coutinho is coming in from an environment at Barcelona where he was basically just told, do what you do best without being told how to do it very yeah. effectively. Um, Digna is coming in as one of the left backs who was uh, potentially going off to Chelsea at one point um, to replace potentially Chilwell um, and even be a backup to uh, Reese James as one of the options. And instead, he gets an opportunity to come into a Villa side who you can see the aura around that place. They, they've got this very traditional uh, approach. It, it's I've heard at times from players that they think of Gerard in the same kind of way. Emiliano, uh, sorry, Emiliano Martinez said that he feels the same way about Gerard that he did when he was at Arsenal and had Arsene Wenger, where you wow. feel like there's a great deal of respect for the gaffer but you know where the line is and you know that when someone comes in and they're going to tell you what you need to do, that you need to make sure that that happens. And if it doesn't, you have to be prepared that you're going to deal with whatever the consequences are. Well, uh, yeah. Villa's exciting. Villa's well, one of the things, one of the things I was excited about is we've had a player who got us out of the championship in uh, El Ghazi and he hasn't quite gone on, but he's gone over to Everton now on a loan and, potentially permanent. And this is the respect between the clubs. Villa fans um, are congratulating El Ghazi on going to Everton and are happy for Everton. It's a really weird kind of relationship Villa and Everton have got. There's no rivalry there, so it's it's quite strange. The Friendship Cup. 
you could almost <laughs> friendship uh, give it. <laughs> I, I tell, I tell you another game to be really. I think is a really interesting one, and it comes to what you were saying before, John. Is West Ham playing Leeds because West Ham really do have a massive chance to to actually make a top four spot this year. And if Leeds continue their form, we're not hearing anything about Leeds anymore. Remember how they were the excitement machine last year? And we mm. were all like, we were all saying this. We And I was a big uh, proponent of this. Is that run, the run, 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 run. Yes. And they're running out of legs. These players were mm. exhausted. And I said that to you guys last year, that I don't think Leeds can continue that style of play with a, um, it's not a massive squad they've got. And it really looks like it's taking its toll now. And they could definitely fall back into, into relegation trouble. So that game's a big one for Newcastle and it's a big game for the, the top four. So I actually am interested in that game. Mm. Well, like I said, I think that the bottom's going to be, turn out to be a very interesting place to watch football in the next couple of months because uh, it's, uh, it's a long way in and it's a long way out of it. Guys, we flip over to some Australian football for a little bit. There's there's more um, COVID um, postponements. The the, the league um, and anyone who listens to this and thinks that I'm an A League bagger has no idea because how many games I go to almost every game I can. I went to the W League last weekend. Um, there was two or three thousand there for the women, um, and it was a pretty ordinary game. I think. Pete, you said it was going to be potentially an ordinary game, uh, Western Sydney Wanderers versus Brisbane War women. But the A-League season's almost petering out. We've got the AFLW um, that, that is getting really big ratings and good crowds. Um, I think there was 3,500 sold out at my old ground, Frankston, uh, for Richmond versus St Kilda last weekend. And they could... Um, Richmond's playing Melbourne, the premiership favourites for this season in the AFLW tonight. And whatever capacity is at Punt Road, sold out in an hour. So that's happening in the AFLW, but the A-League is really stagnating and the COVID is not helping. Correct. And this actually started a really interesting debate um, the other week that I saw online about do you want games to basically go ahead regardless? So, for instance, okay, tonight... Um, not uh, we were meant to be originally seeing MacArthur FC take on Western United. Now, yep. um, teams were unable to uh, put on enough players to, in their place, would you rather see MPL players or you know local based players be called yep. up into that squad or their yes. youth players as their yes. academy players to ensure that that game goes ahead? Absolutely, because you have all... three yeah. derby. hundred percent. Um, and I was saying it last week when the Brisbane Raw game was called off because of a number of players. There is so much talent in Brisbane and Queensland at the moment that's not getting any kind of um, look into the higher ranks. The games have to go ahead. And because I can tell you now, I'm a season ticket holder or whatever we call it in Australia for the Raw. And no one I know wants to go. I mean, I've got, I've got five tickets going and I can barely get two people to go to a game. It's a very interesting scenario that you paint because in the last five to six weeks in the NFL, uh, every game went ahead. It was basically the show must go on. Yes. And some team, a very notable team that was actually pushing for a playoff berth in the New Orleans Saints, uh, was down to the 90th, 93rd player that they used on the season and did basically dudes that they literally pulled in off the street. And a couple of those guys impressed and have um, earned they themselves did. next year. They really did, actually. And um, it was just amazing, actually. And, and and a few weeks ago, even, New Orleans were hit again where they think they had, and correct me if I'm wrong, their fourth string quarterback who hadn't, yeah, seen, like a rep in, he hadn't seen a rep in training. And we yeah. just got over the top of them. Um, so that's a great segue, actually, guys. I'm not sure if you want to talk more about the A-League. I think, you know, we don't want to be bagging it. But it, if they don't do something drastically soon, the season's gone. Like, people are not going to pay for tickets and it's rescheduled, rescheduled, rescheduled. Um, well, I, I'm not it, sure put, what else to say. Put in perspective, there are, what, there's meant to be six games going ahead this round. Instead, there's two. Um, yep. Two games which are going ahead, Adelaide United against Melbourne City. Realistically, Adelaide United's in good form. They've been in positive mindset, even with Colvert out. Um, and Ross Aloisi stepping up in his place. Melbourne City, their oh, squad's Jesus. been decent. 
Um, Sydney FC play against Brisbane Raw on Saturday afternoon. Um, both games are taking place at the exact same time, 7.45 p.m. Um, Eastern Daylight Saving Time there. So, you know, one game's going to be on TV. The other game's going to be on Paramount Plus pretty much. So Yeah, um, I'm sure that, Paramount. Paramount. But, they bought at the moment. <laughs> Can yeah. you imagine a little bit of... Um, a little bit of sideways thinking. They said, okay, like, let's look at something like what's been used in other competitions like the NRL's Magic Round. Yep. Let's get everyone in one place. Yep. Let's book the ground out for a week and play it like a tournament. Every three days you're on, a couple yep. of games a day, let's get it done. And uh, <laughs> you know, pick it up, sort it out, and move on. Because um, I will say this, and I'm going to back Paul up here. I've known Paul for a long time. And if anybody out there thinks that Paul is not – the greatest A-League devotee around, uh, you're kidding yourself because the dude's been on there since day one along with my other friend, Sean. And I've never known anybody to be as crazy, about, especially a comp that does like from time to time to turn around and kick you in the nuts. <laughs> and we've seen that at Gold Coast United amongst other clown shows that we've been involved in. Oh, Jesus. We could tell stories which we have on this podcast before. Look, we right, want it to work. One more thing before we move Sorry. off on yeah. uh, this, an interesting one, uh, which I don't know whether it's a laugh, to cry, to hit my head against a wall or but Wellington Phoenix, uh, their uh, A-League women's side, is set to take place uh, against Brisbane Raw on yeah. Sunday at, uh, at Wynn Stadium. Now, that game was originally going to be kicking off at 4 p.m. Uh, down here in Sydney. That game's now been pushed forward to 2 p.m. Now, the reason why is actually to try and help out with the broadcast partner uh, with Paramount Plus and Channel 10 because they don't have enough staff based on the Omicron outbreak going on in Jeez. New South Wales at the moment. So they need to be able to take their staff from the game here as soon as that game's finished to then be able to try and get the games up and running with uh, Western Sydney Wanderers and um, Perth Glory, I think it is. Sorry, Western Sydney Wanderers uh, will be the 4 p.m. game and then Perth and Newcastle play at 6 p.m. Um, so that their broadcast partners were able to make sure that things lined up because they're running out of staff at the moment. Yep, story of the virus. Um, we've just spoken about NFL, so we're going to jump across to the NFL right now and the playoffs are set. And it's going to be an amazing few days coming up. I'm really excited. Uh, before we do that, though, I just want to talk about that last round. Um, if you guys got to see much of the last round of the NFL. Oh, yeah. The Raiders took on the And basically, if they drew that game, and if I'm wrong here, if they and both of them went through. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the Steelers are out. So with a couple minutes to go, um, the scores were level. And the Bengals, uh, sorry, not the Bengals, the Chargers could not stop the Raiders' run whatsoever. And basically the Raiders went down the field and scored a winning field goal to knock the uh, Chargers out and to keep the Steelers in the comp. It was an unbelievable game. I, I just couldn't believe what I was watching. And the commentators kept saying, Oh, they're just playing for a tie. They're playing for a tie. They're playing for a tie. And the Raiders went down the field and won. First of all, the Chargers with Herbert, to tie the game, I think they went about 89 yards, spent about eight minutes on the field, and a a fourth and 10, a third and 10, a fourth and 10. They just kept converting to tie. It was amazing. It was actually 22 minutes in real time, that last drive. (laughs) <laughs> and, and there was the, they kept doing it on and massively long and these incredible plays by Justin Herbert. But I'm here to tell you that if um if you're a Chargers fan and you've got a guy like um young Herbert at quarterback and you've got some of the weapons in place around him and you've got a defense with like uh, what's his name um Bosa and all that there sitting yep. there, I'm going to look at my head coach Brandon Staley flat in the face and say. Can you and all these other idiots who keep going for it on fourth down every time, um, can you move on for a minute? Like, okay, in that last drive, they had to do it. But, I mean, he was pulling that out on his own 22-yard line. Just giving up points. I just thought it was one of the dumbest game plans I've ever seen. Um, And he's been doing it all year. And I'm, I'm just not jigging with it. And everybody gives these guys a free pass. 
that that play you talk about, um, just to let Pete know. So they're, they're only 20 yards out. The Chargers only 20 yards out from their own goal line, right, Pete? Yep. And they, they've got, you know, a fourth and pretty short, but you've got to take the punt in that ground. You've just got to. There's, it doesn't matter what you say. You're only 20 yards out. You have to take the punt and get the ball back, right? He goes for it. And basically, as, as John just said, he just they didn't make it. They just they gave away a minimum of three points. From there, they're saying if we don't get this fourth down, here's three points at a minimum. It was just so stupid. I, I couldn't believe it. I mean, yeah, you'd have to. You couldn't have summed it up any better, John. Thanks. <laughs> so guys, <laughs> we've got unbelievable games this weekend. Like the. Almost every game is an exciting one. We've got the Raiders taking on the Bengals. And, you know, pre-season, we thought the Raiders might be okay. We're fans, uh, John and I, of, of Carr. And he would have said to Bosa in that Chargers game, he would have given him the bird because Bosa's been giving it to Carr all season for some reason. Whatever's happened, whoever's slipped with whoever's girlfriend, I don't know. But the Raiders taking on the Bengals, that's... Bengals are at home, I believe, so... Could that be another Bengals loss in the first round of a playoff? Uh, could be. I think the Bengals are playing good enough at home to yeah. win. I think that the Raiders' story has been a nice one. Yeah. Um, they've overcome a lot. Take a hats off to them with a first interim head coach in 66 years. So the first time a guy's um, taken over from a fired coach in 66 years in the NFL and taken his team to the playoffs. It's a pretty amazing performance by um, by the head coach of the um, – of the Raiders, um, Budiasa, but you know, whatever I can't remember his name, but um, look, he took over in the most galling of circumstances after Coach Gruden resigned, caught up in a in a sex and race scandal, and then you know had a player, their number one, their number one attacking threat, um, arrested and in jail, basically in court, waiting to be done on um, on a reckless driving that killed a woman, in yep. all in the same. Yeah, I think that's a fabulous job of coaching, but I think you can only ride that bubble so far, and I think it's going to be extinguished by Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. At uh, I hope for Bengals fans, they're one of those franchises that have just been, you know, crap for so long. Um, I know a bunch of their fans, and the ground looks great when it's got the, um, you know, the orange and the brown and the and the fans in the ground, and and uh, it's a very cold place too, Cincinnati in the winter. It could be freezing cold for the Raiders outside. Um, so I'm really, I can't wait for that game, I've got to be honest. And it's a celebration of our old friend who we talked about before, Chris Westling. He used to call it West of Us. First day of the playoffs, the Bengals will get put out again. Um, so I, don't, I think that's going to change this year. I think that the Bengals are going to go through. I think they're going to be hard to beat at home. <laughs> I'm like, get off your devices, put your devices down. Give me 20 minutes, please. Go the outside. Did you hear the word I submitted there? Yeah. I think I, I, think I blanked it out. Guys, um, Pat's Bills is a game I'm looking forward to next. Um, Bills, at one stage, looked like they had the AFC almost looking like it was at its mercy. Then they had a big fall, and Pat's are going to look like getting the, uh, the the number one seed in, you know, at one stage. And then the Dolphins beat the Pats and do Bills a favour. So um, I think the Bills will beat the Pats at, at home. I think the crowd will be amazing. Mate, I hope Pete, this so. is your choice, mate. You got anything to say about it? I hope so, and I hope the Bills annihilate the opposition. Simple as that. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, it would be a bit of a disastrous season if the Bills get knocked out by the Pats um, with what they were promising. But you've got to be in it to win it, right? So if the Bills can win, um, they can go on and do some really big damage in, in the AFC. Uh, so oh, I think the Bills will win. The last time they played there, the uh, the, the Pats won only through three passes. I can't see yep. that happening again. I, I I will be cheering as loud for the Bills in that game as I will any other playoff this weekend. Um, yes. Yep. Really love the Bills at Orchard Park. I think it's exciting times. Stefan Diggs and... Um, what they've got is a great defense too. It shut everyone down, um, and I love that crowd. And I hope it's snowing. You know, oh, just, that would be amazing. Same. I don't. Yeah. Think, oh, who knows? Who knows? But it would be just such a great, 
it's still my favorite, one of my favorite sporting documentaries, the, the four seasons of Buffalo. Um, Eagles taking on the Bucks, and John, you said this the other week that the Eagles could be a really dangerous proposition for anyone um, come playoffs time. And I reckon if you're a Bucks fan, you'd be you'd be a bit nervous. And if you're an Eagles fan, yes, you've got a game to lose, but no one's going to think that you're going to win. So this is a this is a give me. Talking fan experience, you know, and I love that term these days because I'm obviously living it myself. My, I'm looking at the Buccaneers going, I don't want them anywhere near Lambeau Field in two weeks' time. Yep. I don't want Tom Brady there. I'm hoping the Eagles with the most useless quarterback in the whole of this playoff scenario. As a quarterback, he's a really good running back, but he's he just doesn't. Actually, he's not the worst. Uh, that would be Big Ben at this stage, but... I'm really hopeful that the Eagles just run their way through the Bucks, and the Buccaneers are so injured up. Yeah, I can't believe damage they allowed into their building by, you know, kissing Antonio Brown's ass for the last two years. Pardon the language, but that's what they did just to try and, you know, grease themselves up for, you know, you know, they talk about, oh my God, we only want this certain type of character guy in our building. You go keep going back to a dude like that. Uh, he's done a lot of damage to him. I hope it really takes it out on them this week. I hope that the Eagles win. I don't think that they will, but I'm hoping they do. He's, uh, where's my Marcus Mariota playing these days? He's at the Raiders. He is at the Raiders because they played him. I was just going, I was just, for some reason, I was going, he's not at the Eagles, is he? He actually played a couple of downs for the Raiders last weekend. A couple of, um, uh, he comes in an option to run the run play, the, the run pass option. He does it pretty well because he can. Movie's great. I might. He grew a beard. I didn't barely recognise him when he came on the field. Um, but you know, he's a guy who is doing a good job behind Derek Carr. And might get picked up by someone as a desperate need of a QB. He's a handy packer. Absolutely, um, mate. So the Eagles, Bucks. I mean, Bucks um, have Tom Brady, so that's their advantage. But the Eagles have, as we just spoke about. Um, they don't have the expectation to win. So this is like a bonus playoff game for them in my mind. Um, I know that's not the way players think, but, you, you know, it's a playoff for them. But, they, oh, it's got all the got all the tinglings of, a, of, a, of an upset, as does the next game. 49ers, Cowboys. Cowboys, they could go and win it all or they could get knocked out this week. It's that kind of team they have. And their fan base have seen very little um, postseason success in the past couple of decades. And this one also has that feels of 49ers could upset them. This has to be the game of the um, first round of the playoffs. And two names that everybody around the world knows of when they think about the NFL, this is two of the names that's going to pop in their heads first. Yep. The Cowboys and the 49ers. A little bit like the Bucks. I really don't want to see the 49ers at Lambeau in a couple of weeks' time. I'm interested in seeing the Cowboys actually show that they can beat good teams from outside of their own Moribund NFC East. Um, and I'm also interested in Coach McCarthy. If, if if the Cowboys win, I'm pretty certain that means they'll come to Lambeau the next week. That'll be pretty interesting to see Coach McCarthy coming down the road. He's got a street named after him there, but believe it or not, the bus has to come in on Mike McCarthy Avenue to yep. get to Lambeau Field, <laughs> and it could be carrying the coach it's named after to get in to knock us out of the playoffs. How's that? Oh, my God. Um, a game that... I'm interested in because one of the teams is completely out of the form, out of form, and the other team just hasn't been in form all season. Is the Steelers versus Chiefs? You'd expect the Chiefs to win this easy, but they just don't seem to be able to score at the moment. Chiefs have got a good, nice draw there. I'm sure that the Chiefs are looking at that going. I'd much rather be playing the Steelers than the LA Chargers. Hundred percent. What a bonus! What a bonus it was for them to uh to get to get the Steelers because they. They look one of the weakest teams in the whole of the playoffs. Yeah, and the Chargers probably could have, you know, legitimately put a, pl- a flag in the sand to say that they could win the whole tournament. Still, Chargers, Chargers definitely would have given Chiefs a hell of a lot of problems, I think. And a game that I cannot believe in, in some ways um, is Cardinals versus Rams because at one stage, uh, either of these two teams looked like being the number one seed at certain parts of the season. But this has got to be, whilst not for a lot of people, maybe not the most interesting of the games, in terms of how these two teams play, this could be the game of the whole uh, first round of playoffs. 
think I don't get many of my predictions right, but I do think that I said about four weeks ago on our program that I was tipping the Cardinals to fall away badly and not win that division. You did when they were right at the top of the um, top of the tree. I think that's going to continue this week. Yeah, well, the Rams. Oh, look, they got up to an early lead last week, and their coach got a little bit excited. Um, but um, look, yeah, I think they'll. I think the Rams will knock the Cardinals out there as well. Speaking of coaches, I'm not a big fan of Sean McVay and his carry-on. I can't stand that bloke on the sideline. Drives me nuts. I like old-school NFL head coaches who stand there with moustaches and huge forearms and just 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 stare people down. I agree, but did you see his carry-on when they scored the second touchdown, running into the end zone to celebrate? Yeah, they should have been flagged. That's what I couldn't believe. Other players aren't allowed to do it, and you're not allowed to be – it wasn't real here that Pete may not know of if you're not on the plane, if you're not part of the play, you can't be on there without a helmet. For it's obvious illegal. reasons. Yeah. yeah. For obvious so they, reasons. They, you can be ejected from the game if you run on with a – well, I don't know if you'd be ejected, but you can certainly be flagged if you come on and celebrate a touchdown and you don't have a helmet on. And it can cost you big time. And, and Pete, to put this in perspective, the coach of the Rams celebrated after the second touchdown of the game. It was early on in the game as well. It's really weird. Like you can celebrate, but don't run into the end zone. I could be wrong. I thought he ran into the end zone. He did. But he got he got pushed out of there by the official. He should have been flagged and told if you do it again, you're out. You're off the field. So the teams with buys this week, the AFC, number one seed, Tennessee Titans, and uh, in the NFC, we've got Green Bay, your team. So... Exciting times to see what's going to happen there, guys. So, Pete, I'm going to I'm going to put you under the pump. You ready? All right, go for it. Okay, Raiders, Bengals. Uh, Raiders. Pats, Bills. Bills. Ah. Eagles, Bucks. Bucks. 49ers, Cowboys. Uh, uh, I'll go Cowboys. <laughs> Steelers, Chiefs, Chiefs, and Cardinals, Rams. Uh, I want Cardinals. Oh, I like it. I like it. So, guys, um, I'm not sure if you had um, any preparation for this week, and I'm not talking um, any of the sexual preparations. But number threes, I think I said to you about famous number threes in sports. Um, so, I'm not sure if you'd had time to have a look at any of your favourite number threes in any sport. I'm interested in what you mean by my sexual preparations. What's that all about? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I really this don't know. That's none. <laughs> you, know, prepar- in other areas my, of my life, I can get a little bit more adventurous. My <laughs> my preparations are usually oh, it's happening. Cool. Um, <laughs> anyway, so uh, for me, I'll start off with one, and he was a very young man when he won his first premiership. Of course, it's going to be Richmond-related. was Dale Waitman, the flea. So won a, won a grand final in 1980, very young man, and then had decades um, of playing for us where his highlights were the only highlights we, we really had. But he played State of Origin when State of Origin meant something for Victoria and quite often was best on ground um, when State of Origin was a really big thing in the VFL, um, Sanford and Waffle. So Dale Waitman, the flea, still does unbelievable work for Richmond, Um, was basically not sacked, but kind of laid off when COVID really hit in. And he's back back doing a lot of the interstate trips. He does a lot of club functions. Um, And yeah, Dale Waitman, mate, there's no Richmond number three I've ever loved more. So that's my first one. Nice. All right. Do you want to come out swinging or would you like to uh, ease our way in with uh, a bit of class? What would you prefer, gents? Well, we were talking sexual preparation, so maybe ease yourself in. Ease our way in? Okay. I don't think that there's anyone who eases their way in and uh, becomes arguably one of the best central defenders of all time, better than Paolo Maldini. Um, Oh, nice. Just an absolute class central defender who could read the game so well, comfortable with both feet, um, physically was demanding, uh, just an absolute beast on and off the ball, both for Italy as well as for AC Milan. Um, Just an absolute machine for me. So uh, Paolo Maldini gets gets my little recommendation as one of the best number threes. Over to you, John. 
Well, there's been a bunch of uh, reasonably decent number threes, but I'm going to start with a guy whose first number given to him by the Brisbane Bears was number 56. Uh, and then the year after that, 993, he took number three. And from there on, I think he went on to become the greatest player in the Brisbane Lions history, and that's Michael Voss. Yeah, I knew you were going to have him, and, and that's an absolutely worthy uh, uh, consideration. He's one of the toughest and most skillful players I've ever seen play football. Little nice little side note on that. My best mate when I was younger, his dad was the principal at uh, Trinity College in Bean Lee. And he's a big AFL guy. Um, his name is Bob, Mr. Peacock. And uh, he he was a big AFL guy. He's a big Essendon fan. Um, but he told us early, he said, I've got a good one. He said, I've yeah. got a real good one. And it was Michael Voss. And he was spot on. Well, you guys have coached, and I haven't coached as well as you have, but you, um, all three of us, I think, are really good judges of even young talent. And you can tell when there's someone special, you you can tell pretty early on, you're like, whoa, okay, the, this kid or this girl, they can really play, and, and that's a great call. Uh, okay, guys, I'm going to go to one that I can't stand, but he is synonymous with his sport, okay? I can't stand – I don't know why – I don't know whether it's just his smugness in photos or the, or it has to be the truth that he's a Yankees player and that has to be the babe, Babe Ruth. Yeah, that, that's what I was actually going to bring in. Um, origin because he was he originally batted third. So he yep. just had the jersey number three and, yep. uh, and, and stuck with him throughout the whole time. So I think that uh, Babe Ruth, what was he? Uh, what was it? Uh, a 715 home runs was it? Uh, a baseball hall of famer, an all-star, world World Series champion. I, I love American sports claiming World Series championships when they're the only team uh, nation uh, that play. No, we've told you the history of that though, Pete. I know. <laughs> I do enjoy the the irony of that. Um, <laughs> yeah, look, Babe Ruth. Absolutely, he was on my list as one of the best number threes as well. And he's up there with Derek Jeter as, as one of the rare numbers um, in Yankees history that's actually been retired. Um, so I think, and I, it, you can correct me if I'm wrong because I'm not a Yankees fan, but the numbers three and four are both retired um, from Yankees history. There you go. Little useless fact there for you. Okay, then you want the next trivia game that I'm playing. <laughs> so if, if we've both said Babe Ruth, we might throw it over to uh, John for his next number three if you've got any more left there. Um, you know, because um, it's it, probably easy to go back and find people who wore number three as a position. Now they've got squad yeah. numbers and that. It's not yeah. really the same in football. So I went back and I think the biggest dog of the whole lot in the pile has to be Alfredo Di Stefano. Oh, that is a fantastic call. And so he wore number three according to whatever I can find. It's actually pretty, it's not that easy to track down no. um, except through just um, old um, – programs and stuff. So I'll go with uh, De Stefano, famously born in Argentina, who played for Spain for many a long year. Absolutely. Um, and Real Madrid. Got- how many how many um, European Cups did they win with him there? Was it six or something? Over to you, Pete. Uh, I think it was six in a... Was it five in a row? And then there was a two-year or three-year gap where Ajax ended up uh, winning and then there was one and then the period off. Oh, that's a really good one. Then they had a big long time out and then I remember the next thing I remember was like, remember when they were going for the Decima and all that, the number 10 and that was yeah, well after yeah, that time. That's Zidane right. ended up getting, I think it was two or three trophies. If, if you want to win a European trophy, seriously, you, you, you signed Zidane. I don't know why Paris Saint-Germain haven't done that yet or the likes of Manchester United, to be honest, like it makes sense. You want to win a European trophy, you get Zidane because he's the guy. <laughs> it's very true. Um, I know that I've gone very American on mine, but uh, it was just what stood out for me so much. Um, I, in NFL, um, right now he's still playing, but Russell Wilson, um, rare for a quarterback to take on the number three. He's in the, I'm sure he's number three for uh, Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, it's not a real common quarterback number, so uh, that sounds good to me. He's a great player, Russ. Yeah. Also, I've gone down there, and you guys, and any more number threes? Of uh, note? Well, two, two more footballers, which I'll mention. Uh, Roberto Carlos. Um, oh, yeah. 
arguably the best left back uh, in football, to be honest. Just um, he, he, oddly enough, he wore the number three for uh, a period of time, and then with Brazil as well as uh, with the likes of Real Madrid, um, but then swapped across to the number six um, mm. for Brazil as well. So uh, an interesting little jersey change there. Um, the other number three worth mentioning was. Ashley Cole, who was oh, tipped to become call. one of the best left backs, uh, and then obviously the world kind of imploded, um, especially after the uh, the phone tapping scenario in the cafe when he switched across uh, between Arsenal and Chelsea. Um, that was that was a fun one there in the cafe. <laughs> you're not you're not wrong there. Do do you reckon that uh, Roberto Carlos walks into camping stores and all the fishing nets just panic? Yes, because he he smashed the back of that net. Like oh, I don't remember many players ever hitting the ball as hard as he has. Uh, there's not many who can do it. I, like jumps to mind is Roberto Carlos and John Arnaurice. Oh yeah, and then call. absolutely on his day, Stuart Pearce. Yeah, That's yeah, it. they they would all walk into like ladies' lingerie stores, and the fishnet stockings would run away. I can tell you. God, I'm bringing out the uh, the sexual innuendo jokes today. What's going on here? Maybe mm. some COVID, maybe some COVID frustration. Um, NBA yeah. guys, in- <laughs> one more before we go. Um, probably Australia's greatest sportsman. Uh, at the same time as Babe Ruth was doing his baseball thing, batting yep. at number three for Australia was Don Bradman. Yeah, I did think of that as well. That's that's a brilliant call. I had Ricky Ponting up there as well at one stage, um, but then I went, oh, what are you talking about, Don Bradman? Um, that's an unbelievable. Yeah, that's a fantastic call. He is. He is Australia's Babe Ruth uh, because there's no one like him and there's no one like Babe Ruth in baseball. If you said Don Bradman anywhere in the cricketing world or even slightly outside it, his name is synonymous with cricket. That's that's a brilliant call. I, I've got one for the NBA, guys. Alan Iverson. I'll take no. your word for it. Yep, I'll take uh, your word. Alan <laughs> Iverson, um, he, didn't, he didn't win titles, so probably why his name isn't out there as much as anyone else's. But he was a basketball, not as tall. He was relatively small. Um, he could dunk over anyone. He was just an absolutely fierce competitor. Um, and now if you ever want to see him, you'll just probably see him on Australian gambling ads um, that he probably doesn't even know what he's doing. Uh, so Alan Iverson for me, because there's not many num- – there's a lot of bigger numbers in, in basketball. Um, I mean, obviously, there's numbers at eights, but the 20s and so forth started to come into play in the 30s. Um, but Alan Iverson had number three throughout his career. And if you do want to see an unbelievable highlights package, just chuck up Alan Iverson. He could do crossovers. He could do anything you want to see. Um, yeah, probably just needed to play for a couple bigger teams. In the modern game, he would have won four or five titles because he would have been the kind of player that like an LA Lakers picked up or the Warriors had him as a sixth man, you know, that kind of thing. So he probably would have won three or four titles uh, if he was playing the modern game. So that's pretty cool, man. We'll have to come out with a different number next week. I'll, let, I'll leave it up to you guys. Um, I also want to talk, I want to do a keep, kick cuddle for, this one is specifically for Pete putting him under the, I'm putting you under the pump in this one today, aren't I? I'm feeling it. Don't worry, mate. I'm feeling it. Okay, so this is not what is your favourite of all time. This is right now, in your head, keep, kick, cuddle. Right now. NFL, EPL, AFLW. I think we know where this is going to go for you, but I just wanted to uh, yeah, just wanted to see what your thoughts are. So as, this weekend, NFL, EPL and AFLW, keep, kick, cuddle. Uh, are all going priority of most likely to watch or most likely to read articles about and care about. Um, so unfortunately, farewell NFL. Um, I, I will jump on and get the updates about the Bills and that's probably about it. Um, so farewell to you. Uh, I will give a humongous cuddle towards the AFLW, which obviously kicked off last weekend and very much looking forward to seeing um, how things play out in match day two of the competition. So uh, definitely giving them a cuddle and therefore keeping the English Premier League, which I guess is really no surprise. No, but the um, I was really interested in the in the um, in the kick and cuddle. So that's um, yeah, that's good insight there. And 
as we said with the AFLW, it kicks off with um, arguably a blockbuster tonight between traditional men's rivals, uh, Richmond and Melbourne, at Swinburne Centre, which is Richmond's traditional home ground and has gone through um, huge, huge uh, refurbs. So that'll be on 6 o'clock tonight. It's sold out. If they played it at a bigger suburban ground, they're saying it would have sold out again. But Richmond's women are going to play all their games, their home games at the Swinburne Centre. It's the same dimensions as the MCG. So they've widened it and and everything to be the exact same dimensions as the MCG for the men's team. Um, And with Richmond's AFLW team, they've recruited so well in the past few years. So Katie Brennan, um, we've got the sisters from, um, just gone blank, we've got the sisters from Carlton and um, probably a, a girl who could win the best and fairest in the whole competition this year in Monique Conti. Um, I, I really recommend that um, you can see the transition. Richmond's kept their coach for the last few years um, from VFLW up to the AFLW. And it's the same as what you do with football, Pete, and, and you with rugby, John. You can see they're starting to believe in what he's after. So the first cup, you know, the first season, Richmond were horrendous and they were just kicking the ball long and high and had nothing. They're now lowering their eyes and they absolutely thumped a St Kilda team last week, which was a 50-50 game. So uh, for me, I am super excited. I will be watching that Richmond game tonight, 6-10 in Queensland, 7-10 in um, New South Wales for Pete and other listeners. So I am. I'm super excited. And I do want to say condolences to the Brisbane Lions. They've lost a couple of their best players with leg injuries because they are a brilliant team to watch. And it comes down to this, guys. The AFLW should only be played at night, in my mind, for two reasons. The grounds are so hard. These injuries, to me, are no... It's it's not a coincidence. It's it's a, It looks like a fact that it's really affecting injuries. If they play at night, they can wet the grounds throughout the whole day, which may make a bit of a difference. I, I could be sound really dumb there, but the injuries are just horrendous. We've already seen three or four uh, ACLs in the first round. That, that's awful, awful news. Um, I think that one of the uh, players who went down injured was uh, Brianna Davey from memory. Yep. Um, and, and listeners may know she was in line to basically become the Matildas goalkeeper for a long time, had, had a very successful career uh, playing football and, and was considered to be one of the youngest and up-and-coming stars in, in female goalkeeping ranks around. And then the jump across to the AFL, it, it is incredibly cruel, the, the fact that she's out in the first game of the season. Uh, like I've seen some fantastic uh, posts of support and of love from other players and of plenty of spectators saying, look, we wish you well and wish you well in the recovery and that kind of stuff. But, man, this is awful. We, we hate to see things like this. Yeah, not not, not good at all. Uh, Collingwood take on St Kilda tomorrow, and I think Collingwood could really touch up the Saints. They look like a team like Richmond that's recruited well the last couple of years. Geelong take on Carlton, and a lot of people were surprised that Geelong was so competitive last week, and they could cause an upset against Carlton. West Coast take on the Suns. And that could be a tighter match than people think. The Crows should dismantle North Melbourne and Frio and GWS. I think Frio will win there as well. So I'm, oh look, I'm, I've got to be honest with you. I've always followed women's sport, but I'm actually really enjoying the AFLW. So um, guys, if you have the chance, uh, get on board. And I think the Brisbane Lions game's actually been um, because of COVID. I think the Brisbane Lions game was suspended. Uh, John, would you know anything about that, mate? Or am I just throwing it out there? No, I think you're correct. So COVID's affected both squads pretty hard, and um, I believe it's been going. correct. It was um, all over the Gold Coast news last night. They were talking about the Gold Coast teams as well, and saying that they've got the same problems. Wow. Okay. Well, it's affecting all sports, and look, we 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 can't undersell just because people say it's a milder dose. Um, we've had sports people come out in, in the last couple of weeks and say that it actually knocked them out, like. It was like a heavy, heavy flu from for about a week. But um, uh, people much smarter than me and epidemiologists and so forth are saying there's still unknown long-term effects. We've got NFL players who got COVID a couple of years ago who are still having trouble breathing. Um, so, you know, we can't underestimate. And I think I want everyone to be safe. The numbers around the country are absolutely unbelievable. 
around the country. And uh, anyone who does get it, please, please don't underestimate its effects and take care. Um, guys, we got anything else you want to cover off to, in today's podcast? I do. I got a little thing today on my um, Facebook page telling me to go to the Brisbane Lions shop and check out the new Monopoly game. Yep. So I went and checked it out and I thought, oh, that's a bit mm, mm-hmm, whatever. I thought, I can't look at the AFL's board. So the AFL Monopoly board. Yep. And I got a bone to pick with the AFL. Pick it. The Brisbane Lions are the ranked as the lowest money value club on the board, along with the Suns and the Giants. So Brisbane mm. Lions are Old Kent Road uh, on the Monopoly board, yeah. pretty much. Yeah, all that, like, because, like, what is it? Yeah, that that stuff. Used so, to, no, what did they judge that on? It'd be well, interesting to get the AFL's rationale, wouldn't it? How can you possibly say the Suns and the Giants' value is the same as the Brisbane Lions? I would have had North Melbourne. I would have had North Melbourne down there, um, based if you depending. North or on depending, Orange. Well, North or on North. Orange with the Swans and Port Adelaide. So I would actually, what I would argue is that the Lions is one of those is is more like a Swans or a, obviously we don't have the same pull as Port Adelaide do in Adelaide, but you know what I mean on that level of what's in the comp. Yeah, I would have thought so as well. Them, not with. I almost swore. Not with the Giants and the, the goddamn Gold Coast Suns and the Giants. Go, nah, get off! No, nah, that's that's not right. That's not right. We Go. might have to put a we might have to put a picture up of that, mate. Um, I'm not buying this game. And well, let me tell you, here you go. You're gonna love this. So the three top, the three top ones. Yep. So the um, well, what was the name of the top place? You yep. know, the city, I or London or whatever. The three top clubs are. Richmond, yep. Hawthorne, and Collingwood. Yep. Who got the most expensive? Oh, I'd have to be Collingwood. Yeah, they did. Uh, and it looks like the Hawks punched out the uh, Richmond as well. I don't understand that. Um, oh, So that's where we, we – AFL, we need the rationale. Is it on the premierships and supporters and money in the bank? Well, that would push us. That would push the Lions immediately past the Western Bulldogs and St Kilda. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, what's your rationale? I just quietly and the Sydney Swans. Let's put a picture up of it. Um, so we'll put a picture up of it. Emails up in red. Get out of here. (laughs) No, you 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 can't have that. That's not look. You know, I'm not a Brisbane Lions man, but they need to be. They need to be up. They need to be in the orange at least. least. Um, (laughs) Yeah, and. No, this is wrong. I'm not not happy with this. North Melbourne, there's no way on God's earth they can be orange. Well, they are, mate. What? How many premierships they won? They've won 75, 77, and... and, Oh, they've won four, haven't they? Yeah, 96, 98. Yeah, but if you go in the Lions with Fitzroy, then you've got like 11. mm, So, yeah, not happy with this. Um, We we, we need an investigation, guys. Um, If we're talking financial... So this is where it's got to come in. They've got to give us a rationale because if you're talking financial, West Coast Eagles would be number one. They are. They've got the whole, almost the whole state following them, and they've got more money in their bank than you could ever imagine. So I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure about this at all. And and how can Frio be ahead of Geelong? It's an absolute disgrace. This is a travesty. No, this <laughs> this is wrong. I, I'm looking at it non-stop now. I've got the picture in front of me. And, and can you imagine got- the A League board? The A League board would be fun. Oh Jesus! No, uh, yeah. Mm. Do, have, do they have enough teams? United have to be on Brown, wouldn't they? <laughs> you do realise there is an A League Monopoly board. Is there? No. Yeah, there is. There no. Actually is. You haven't got enough history to be able to put that that together. You know what I mean? Like you need years worth of history to say who belongs. Grounds around, you know the grounds. I'm going to go with you there, mate. I, I don't know what their rationale is because then they've got the Western Bulldogs behind St Kilda and on support, St Kilda do have more support than the Dogs, but the Dogs have won more premierships. So we need the rationale, people. Because yeah, I want to Can you find no. that, Pete? Yep, I'm away. We, we need the rationale because even Melbourne, Melbourne won the premiership last year, but they've won a ton of premierships over the course of their history and they've got a pretty good supporter base. So I just don't know what this is based on. I would have Melbourne above Sydney. Yeah, I look, you know, I 
look, the truth of the matter is, it's when I first saw this uh, about an hour ago. Yep. I was really offended and upset. I've been crying ever since. So I haven't been up, barely got myself together to start the podcast. And cool. I feel like it's it's another part of my fan experience. And it's being sort of, I'm now being so, mocked by the NFL. Yeah, the, the, if you told me that Richmond was in the yellow section, I could accept that because it's only been the last few years that we've come back to to the club that we were many decades ago, right? So I'm I'm not being unrealistic. You have to be so, up on that. You have to be up I'm, on that. But I'm my cup's full, mate. But I could see us being in the second one. I wouldn't argue, but I, I can't have it. I agree with you. You know, I'm not a Brisbane Lions fan, but I can't have you down in the in the. Isle of is is it Isle of Islington or something? Is that one of the light blues? But you can't Angel of Islington. There you go, Angel of Islington. You can't be there. <laughs> no, I'd, I'd 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 move I'd move a couple of the teams into the brown. I mean, the Gold Coast Suns they can't be a light blue. They've got to be brown. Suns and DWS need to go to the brown for sure. <laughs> Jesus, I'm afraid to put them in. I I think so. I think AFL's scared to say. These are our expansion clubs, and they're shit. Yeah, and I want to put I want to put a stand on my ground. Sorry, you can't. You're banned. <laughs> you need money. Oh, that is a beautiful way to finish off the podcast. Um, anything else from either of you boys? Anything coming up? I know that Pete, you've just been accepted into a new lot of uh, a new study course, a new lot of training. Yeah, yeah, I've uh, signed up to start doing some strength conditioning um, courses to start. You know, I'm constantly trying to develop myself as an individual and try and, you know, learn as much as I can um, and, and just try and make myself as adaptable as possible. So uh, that's something cool for me. I'm looking forward to that. But one thing I just wanted to uh, mention before uh, we wrap things up is with the African Cup of Nations. Now, oh, this yeah. is a competition which, to be blunt, is just bubbling. Just it, it's it's just bubbling with controversy, and it's just it, it's just becoming too funny. Um, I'm going to stop you for one second, Pete. I'm going to stop you for one second. I'm just going to I'm zoning into your thoughts. I'm looking at your picture right now. I don't know if it's going to be something to do with Marley at all. You are correct. Uh, Tunisia and Marley. Uh, this was a game that the referee blew the full time whistle on the 85th minute. Then they came back. <laughs> Then they blew the full-time whistle on the 89th minute. 89th. Then they came back after a press conference where the coach was actually being told in the press conference, we have three minutes to get ourselves back onto the field. Otherwise, the referee's got to blow full-time again and the game actually stands. Um, this is just sensational chaos um, in terms of a game. And unfortunately, it makes it just look worse and worse and worse with every single thing that's going wrong. Now, in the African Cup of Nations itself, it's not really been that interesting of a competition. We've had Egypt playing the world's worst 5-5 formation where they just didn't bother attacking at all. Um, there's, there's barely any goals being scored, not because there's good goalkeeping, because no one really looks like they want to try and score a goal. Um, there's no one who's really standing out so far in this competition except for the Sierra Leone goalkeeper. He's the only guy who I'm actually incredibly interested in in this AFCON. And that is because I will sh share some highlights with you guys and put it up on our Facebook group later on of this guy in action where he's throwing his body at absolutely everything humanly possible. When he won the Player of the Match award at full time, he's there crying his eyes out and just I'm so proud of his performance the president of Sierra Leone actually sent through a message to the team to say, look, we're proud of what you guys are doing. That's the only positive out of AFCON. Apart from that, this competition has been woeful so far. Well, I, yeah. I actually don't think yeah. they, they don't play it often enough because it's only once a year they play it. Is there? Every other, every other comps international is two or four years. I think they should start playing every three months. Yeah, and, and, and they had no African player in any other comp. That, no, yeah, no. they just keep coming <laughs> back and playing for them. That'd be awesome. I, um, I'm going to keep Kit Cuddle for you, just off the top of my head, John. Oh, okay. Now, once again, I'm not talking historically, but I'm talking your mindset right now, okay? No, not yeah. historically. 
So if you can ask me the same question, ask Pete. I'm in a dark place at the moment with sports. So <laughs> no, no, no. It, it is a sporting question, of course. Okay, the football World Cup, the Euros, or the English FA Cup. <laughs> well, the FA Cup can go and do what it wants at the moment. I'm not interested in that. So that's uh, yep, <laughs> especially after last weekend. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm actually going to. What's the second level? I can have to ask this every goddamn time. Uh, the second level is a cuddle. I'm only going to cuddle the World Cup because I'm completely dissatisfied with the. I haven't been happy about the World Cup going to Qatar since they announced it. Uh, it kept coming up in my Facebook feed from like 13 years ago. Yep. And I've maintained that anger ever since, and I still believe the same things about it. So I'm not. Ex- I'm as excited as Eric Cantona for the um. <laughs> just my little Jimmy Hill reference there. I'm excited. I'm as excited as Eric Cantona was for the um, upcoming World Cup in Qatar, and um, cuddle the Euros. But if they want to expand it out to you know more teams, then I'm out on that too. But it's very interesting, mate, because I am the Euros. Um, I am a cuddle the World Cup right now and a kick of the FA Cup. So, uh, guys, it has been a good podcast. We had a couple issues with too many kids on the internet, um, so a little bit of editing. Um, we'll have it out later today Pete or tomorrow. Board, I've got to say, the people who organised that board for Monopoly must have all been sitting around smoking weed all day because <laughs> there is nothing on there that vaguely correlates to the value of any of the clubs in that competition. Nope, not even a little. Not even a little. I don't know anything about it. Um Guys, get them up. Get them, get them, guys, get them up on the uh, get them up on the uh, on our Facebook group. So please come along and join the Facebook group if you ask for an invitation. It's the Love Sport Podcast Facebook group. If you put in Love Sport there, who knows what you'll get? But we'll include you in. We've got our page. We've also got Twitter as well. You can get John at uh, Lambic Peach on Twitter. Never responds. You can get me at Paul underscore Football. I respond too much. And then you've got Pete Novakowski with an N-O-W-A-K-O-W-S-K-I. If you get Pete Novakowski, um, you will get some normal stuff. So you'll get John with nothing, me with too much, and Pete with the dignified responses. This has been the Love Sport Podcast. We'll join you next week. Guys, that was, uh, that was, that was good. I enjoyed that. I'll, I'll do a bit of editing probably tonight or tomorrow morning. Oh, thanks for joining Paul, John and Pete on another episode of the Love Sport Podcast. Don't forget, you can get us on Love Sport Podcast on Facebook, both the page and the group. You can get us on Twitter as well. And on Twitter, you can get me at Paul underscore football, John at Lambic Peach and Pete at Pete Novikowski. This is the Love Sport Podcast. <laughs>